psychological military operations known as PSYOPs will be at the heart of future military action. PSYOPs involve, involve using the media from newspapers, books, and posters to the Internet, music, blackberries, and personal digital assistance to put out black propagandists to assist government and military strategy. PSYOPs involve the dissemination of lies and fake stories and releasing information uh, to wrong foot the enemy, the enemy, of course, being the, uh, the American people. Now, thirdly, the U.S. is now planning to take control of the Earth's electromagnetic spectrum, allowing U.S. war planners to dominate mobile phones, PDAs, the web, radio, TV, and other forms of modern communication. That could see entire countries denied access to telecommunications at the flick of a switch by America. It's worked. They're doing it right now, folks. We'll keep up on the story. Try to look it up. It's called Operation Roadmap. And uh, human uh, rights lawyer John Scott, who chairs the Scottish Center for Human Rights, said, this is an unwelcome but natural development of what we have seen. I find what it, uh, is said is in this document to be frightening, and it needs a serious scrutiny. So check it out, Operation Roadmap. Uh, I wanted to move on and mention something here right before this break uh, and then we're going to get to my guest uh, Alan Watt, a very interesting person we're going to talk to Alan for a couple hours about the New World Order and other things going on in our country, but anyway uh, let me mention this, I, I just found out and I've been trying to uh, talk with Sharon Weinberger, she's a uh, reporter for the Washington Post magazine and she's apparently in the midst of doing a story about um, electronic weaponry in this country, a story that we've been uh, uh, heralding and, and, and showing and highlighting on this program a lot by interviewing a lot of people, and uh, right now the Post is working on an article, so we'll be waiting for that back in three minutes on the Investigative Journal. All right, we're back on the uh, first hour of the Investigative Journal, and uh, my guest is named Alan Watt, and this is going to be an interesting interview. Um, Alan Watt was born in the UK, spent years researching the forces behind the terrific changes occurring in the world economically, sociologically, and geologically. Uh, he knew uh, long before uh, uh, Europe was uh, turned over into a, a united uh, front, a united country, 20 years before that, he knew it was going to occur and talked about it. And he has been discussing the same patterns uh, happening now in America. He has researched the powerful foundations and the higher uh, Freemasonic uh, associations which are bringing this about. Alan is an expert on on ancient religions, cultures, and people. Uh, he's been on many, many radio shows, and uh, many of my listeners have said, please get Alan on. So that's what I did today. Underst uh, he also understands how the New Age movement was created to help bring in the New Age, the new system along with the New World Government. Uh, you can uh, find Alan's uh, cutting-edge work on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And with that, I wanted to say hello to my guest, uh, Alan Watt. How are you today, Alan? Oh, I'm fine, yeah. So where do you start with a subject like this, especially in a Monday morning when I'm still trying to uh, have a cup of coffee and uh, get over the weekend and start the week out? Where do you start with something like this? And someone that's such, with such vast uh, uh, research uh, knowledge uh, as you, uh, I'm going to leave it up to you and then uh, maybe ask a few questions on top of that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, sometimes, sometimes it's best to, to try and forget everything we've been taught. Uh, including our culture, our country that you're raised in, and look up the, upon the whole world and the, and the movements that go on simultaneously uh, within every government, uh, and you'll find that the same laws generally are passed in, the, in different countries at the same time. Uh, and it's not by magic, it's by cooperation at very high levels. 
uh, beginning with the economic systems of every country because every country is totally dependent on, on the economic banks and, and the system which really run the governments. That's why when Rothschild was asked when he took over the Bank of England, he said he, he, he was asked about would he like to also run the, the legal system. He says, no, he says, give me the money system and I, I don't care who makes the laws. The reason being that, that all laws must follow from the economic system. And sure enough, all your laws revolve around your economics of, of your country. So he understood that perfectly well. So you say, forget about everything that you've been taught. Uh, okay, start my education all over again. Uh, well, we've all been raised in, in little pigeonholes. And I always say if we're in a pigeonhole, which is your culture, and it's, it's, it's a taught thing going back so many hundreds of generations, even though it's, it's different within every hundred years or so, there's, there's major changes made, but we still don't. We're born into our own time, and so we're limited with an overall picture of how things came around, and we accept the system we're born into, and it's being quite natural simply because it exists as such. And in all mammals, you'll find um, the parents of mammals warn the young offspring of dangers and what is dangerous. Well, if you have one generation of parents who've been brainwashed into a particular reality, they don't know to tell their children what to watch for, so the children think that everything is quite naturally, it just evolved that way into their own um, era, basically. And I assume you're going back to our parents. Oh, yeah. Working it uh, up now. So tell, why don't we uh, discuss that? How uh, has the uh, New World Order uh, brainwashed our parents? The... the um they, they plan centuries ahead, and this is not a recent thing either. It's widely written about by those involved. They always plan at least 100 years uh, on a lower level for the public to know about if they want to. And you'll find it in the, the writings of guys like Lenin, who was trained by some of the best Swiss bankers on the planet. Um, he wrote about it to the, the, the next 100 years and what the changes that would take place, including the changes of the West when they would become... Uh, blended with the Soviet system towards the, the millennium, he said, in his own writings. And, he, and those books were put out in the 1920s. Then when you take the supposedly opposite side of communism, which was capitalism in London and the British elite, uh, Lord, Lord Bertrand Russell, a, a, a lifelong peer, as were his ancestors, he wrote a book too uh, about that at the same time as Lenin with the same agenda, saying that the, the new system for the new world would come in about the, the, the millennium and the big changes would take place. So these guys were also obviously in communicado with each other and then you realize there are no sides here. They create oppositions to make the changes occur. You can't make changes with one side. You've got to have an opposition and then you, you, you get your, your synthesis coming through uh, between the two oppositions. And sure enough, we find in the history books that capitalism and, and, and uh, mainly London and New York financed the whole Russian revolution. And we fed the Russians right through their Soviet system. Canada and the U.S. Uh, supplied them with most of their grain and so on. They couldn't even feed themselves. So it was a phony opposition to create the major changes necessary to, to change the world. And, and Sovietism was the quickest way to amalgamate many, dozens and dozens of small countries into a one singular type system of economics, politics, um, bureaucracy, and, and law. It was the fastest way to do it. That's what Vietnam was for, too. 
Vietnam had had uh, about 200 warring tribes and what's the fastest way to unite them? You, you need a common enemy. You bring in America and all those factions suddenly become communist and then they end up being one. That's what, that's what it was all about, you see. The fastest way to, to unify a people into one country with a centralized government for control. So anyway, you're taking us back to uh, basically telling us the Cold War and everything else was a fraud, uh, mm -hmm. controlling both sides of this uh, war, so to speak, to reach their goal. Yeah. Uh, how do you cut... Uh, you, your website's called Cutting Through the Matrix. How do you cut through everything? Uh, give us a, a grounding of what to do. Uh, first, how our parents were brainwashed and how we can uh, uh, overcome this ourselves once we realize it. When you realize that you've got to go back into history, into time, to, to realize how this was put about and how it came about, and you go into the, the time when uh, all of this really began in the West at the time of the Norman invasion of Europe and the takeover of the Norman nobility all over Europe. And that, at that time when they'd taken over Europe, there were no real borders as such. You had a, a, a united system uh, run by these overlords that were called Normans who gave allegiance to the Vatican. And uh, after a time, they found it was hard to keep control of the people they ruled over. And these were foreigners, remember, who came in. And they're still the aristocracy of Europe today. Yeah, take us through this. I mean, um, knowing that much of our history has uh, been taken from us in this country, mm -hmm. uh, take us through uh, uh, this process. Well, they, 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 they came into to Europe around the, the 11th century, and we're talking around about a battle, battles that lasted for over 25 years to take over Europe. This, this, and they also had incredible funding from some source to do so. And they, they had logistics, supplies, and all the rest of it. They used some of the islands of England as supply depots. They built uh, prefabricated wooden forts, some of them which were uh, maybe 100 acres wide. And they towed them across the English Channel and, and uh, erected them on the other side. This is massive planning and knowledge and funding uh, with a common head at, the, at this, obviously, to keep all coordinated on a bigger scale than World War II. And, uh, and then these overlords were implanted all over Europe as, as the, the nobility, the aristocracy. And in, with them came the Vatican backing them. And, and of course, the moneyed system, they, they all went together. Uh, as a complete system, an economic system came with them of rulership. And it no, no sooner taken over England than, than within 50 years, that was the last one to take over. They couldn't get Scotland, um, but they took over England. And then, then they recruited the people from England and the rest of Europe that they'd taken over and started the Crusades and went back to the Holy Land to, 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 to take over uh, Israel or Lebanon. So this was a, a formulated plan uh, put into effect with f incredible knowledge of warfare and strategies and, and, and uh, logistical supplies totally military campaign that was never seen as I say until World War II 
You know, going into this break, we have about a minute, then we'll come back. Uh, how did you get involved doing uh, all this research? I know you've uh, been uh, been around a long time researching this, trying to uh, uh, trumpet uh, the, the uh, wake up the American people and what's really happening. Uh, how did it all start for you? Watching the effects on parents of, of my own parents and the, the parents around me of friends just growing up, uh, watching what the arguments were. In every home, uh, it was arguments about finances and paying rent and very basic stuff. But I thought, this, this is an empire, supposedly, the end of an empire. Well, where did all the money go? Who got it all? And then you find that it was, a, it was about 200 families in London uh, basically raped the world, used the peasantry for soldiers and cannon fodder, and that the rest of the people had nothing at that time. And America is involved in this uh, struggle also, correct? That's right. America was set up to take over uh, from Britain, and Francis Bacon and John Dee even talked about this in the 1500s, that they would pass the torch on uh, to another country. All right, well, listen, we're going to continue on. I'm talking to uh, Alan Watt. Uh, the number to call in, I want to get your uh, call-ins, too, 800-313-9443. If you have a question, we'll be taking calls back in three minutes on the Investigative Journal. Journal. As a writer, this period of time uh, that we're in it leaves me kind of in this state where my stomach is constantly upset. Uh, there's a feeling of helplessness, a feeling that something is going on that isn't right, and uh, you just can't put your finger on it, but you know it's there, and you start grasping for straws. You start grasping at everything, looking who did it, why is it happening. But let me read something here by uh, my guest, Alan Watt, and he's going to lend a little bit of, uh, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he's going to try to uh, give you some solutions, too, on what we can do. But anyway, he's grounded well in history, and his thoughts and his thinking is clear about what's happening and I think he's a good guest for you people to listen to and then call and uh, maybe have a lot of questions and we can have a really good discussion period but anyway let me read something uh, that Alan uh, has written and he said quote we are truly into the age of chaos along in the planning and written about openly by the big movers and shakers who lord over us some of them such as Brzezinski have described the coming effects on worldwide societies as akin to the vast population movements which occurred at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. After the unification of Europe was to follow the unification, listen to this, Americans, the unification of the Americas with the resulting clash of cultures, uh, sound like something going on right now, and the initial, initial mayhem produced. People were sleeping, that's us. We were sleeping while the free trade agreement and the subsequent NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, were discussed with deliberate minimum, minimum coverage by that feared group, the Council on Foreign Relations, and, of course, this absurd controlled media. This has been in the planning a long time, too. And, uh, boy, I could, just, I could get off on a discussion uh, about that for hours, but I won't. Uh, but that's what my guest wrote. Alan, I know we're in an age of chaos, and we're going to get back to the historical uh, underpinnings of this. But uh, uh, tell me how you feel personally about what's going on and what you are doing. I mean, how do you cope with it? What are your plans, uh, just so people understand you? Well, I, I think when you realize how old this agenda is and, and how long it's been going, rolling forward here, and you're only born into one little part of it, the first thing is not to panic. <laughs> 
because people, when they catch up on something that is happening to their own life, they tend to panic. And I tell them, don't panic, just just carefully and quickly make up for lost time and find, find out the, the real historical data here as to what's been going on, where it's going on to. It's not over and done yet. I always tell them it's not, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And, and you do, as an individual, have a, a right to, to alter things for your own life. And, and I, I encourage individualism. This whole movement, ultimately, is to eliminate individualism completely uh, from the works. The mass man, they admit themselves, they can handle through psychology, they understand that the mass movements and, and the mass mentality is the occasional individual who can stand up and clearly and succinctly say that the king has no clothes and, and dispel the myth here just, just, that pops like a bubble. That that's who they fear and they want to destroy individualism. That's what political correctness is all about where you're given um, your opinions and you better parrot them or else that's what it's all about in this new Sovietized system yeah and even in the most liberal of shows on our mainstream media they, they don't cross over a line they stay within a certain boundary almost as if they're you know playing a game with the American people and they know uh, that the, uh, what's been told to them to keep their jobs on the air you know. they, can't, they can't go uh, you know, on the other side where maybe the truth lies would you agree with that? absolutely everybody you see this whole system runs on licensing and even journalists have, are licensed everyone is licensed and you're penalized and you can have your, your, your license withdrawn if you don't go along or as the Masons say, toe the line and uh, uh, that's what happens they all know that's the penalty for, for, for not towing the line yeah yeah. now go back to uh, I guess what we're, we're talking about you dealing with this uh, and you say don't panic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right well put us into perspective now uh, you know put it into perspective where we are at in this plan. Okay. Right now, uh, you're about the same stage Britain was at around uh, 1990, where, see, Britain, for, for since World War II, um, and it was only released in 1999, after the Euro- uh, unification of Europe, it was only released to the public, the secret documentation is now revealed, that uh, they'd signed agreements at the end of World War II to deindustrialize Britain and start to gradually um, regulate laws to match up with those of Europe. The economic system was to match up with Europe. The pound was to fall to match it up. And you are now at the same stage as, as that. You're only a few years from unification now. Okay, we're going to be back. Take a break right now. Back in three minutes. Continue with uh, Alan Watt. If you want to call in, 800 9443. Back after this break. Because it's such a broad subject, uh, let's just uh, boil it down to this: the New World Order plan. You've discussed, you've uh, discussed the program. 
uh, one world government, uh, one world religion. Uh, this plan, uh, to understand it, and, uh, you have to go back in history and show, uh, you know, and understand how they've done this for a long, long period of time. And you said something really important. Uh, we're, we're only born into it for a, a short period of time, and we need to first understand it and then deal with it. Let's get to the point here with who are these people, in your estimation, with all this research you've done all, over the years, who's the enemy, and uh, what can we do uh, to maybe solve the problem? Well, the, the enemy, uh, it's like most things, it's sort of multi-layered. Um, we, we have the operative ones on, on the, the, the ordinary common ground side, which are, are loosely called Freemasonry. Um, and, and that's through everything. That's through all churches, including the Catholic Church as well, um, all working towards this agenda of, of oneness. We're all to become one for the new age. And then above them you have uh, the, the noble orders uh, that allow people into them, uh, like Paul McCartney for doing his drug thing in the music business and promoting uh, Eastern mysticism. Uh, that was to take off from theosophy and blend it with Christianity for the new age and, and he did a good job so he was knighted um, and then you have the, the higher noble orders above them that the aristocratic uh, bloodline noble orders of Europe and most of them can be traced back to, to Venice when Venice in the Middle Ages was the banking capital for the world uh, the, in fact the, the Venetians supplied all the shipping and uh, for the, the Crusades for taking all the knights across back and forth during the, the, the centuries of the Crusades and um, and then they moved into Europe a lot of them bought their royal titles uh, so they were not necessarily of, of uh, European nobility they bought the titles beginning in Germany and Prussia and so the ones who are in power today at the top of the tree uh, can all trace their, their, their history at least back to Venice and Venice is an interesting name because it's a play on Venus and, and the people who in the ancient times who were the big bankers and merchants who ran the ancient world were the Phoenicians Phoenice is a play on Venice it's the same thing that's no coincidence so um, and of course the phoenix rises from the ashes and is born anew so this is the same bunch done through time for, for maybe 3,000 odd years at least I don't doubt much much older who understand the culture creation and culture takeover and all the strategies involved with economics etc uh, I have no doubt about that at all yeah. okay move us a little bit uh, into present day uh, how do our leaders fit into this well, you do know that your leaders really are not your leaders. They're just the front men. Uh, the, the, the real work, and this was discussed by H.G. Wells, who was a front man. He admitted it for the British government, a propagandist. Um, he admitted that when they signed the League of Nations, L-O-N is lion. It's a lawn. It's another term for lion. And... Um, when they signed the, the League of Nations, he said, really, governments are now defunct because every government who signed on had to, to send one representative who represents their country and bypasses the higher or political electrical officials. Today, um, bureaucracies uh, who are not elected by the public, and they're interbred, by the way. Most, most bureaucrats in all federal governments are simply intermarried with themselves for the last few hundred years. 
they know their agenda in these bureaucratic uh, um, agencies and they have their formats they work there all their life and they go straight to the United Nations uh, for most of their rules and regulations and implementation on the global level so politics really is almost uh, irrelevant to an extent they're just front men to sign in local laws that's really what their function is. is. All the way up into the White House, according to you. Absolutely, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, put us. Uh, how does the Zionist movement? How does the uh, Vatican uh, influence? How does it all fit together with the banksters? Uh, this whole uh, world order uh, network throughout the world. How, in your mm-hmm. uh, through your research, how does it all work? Uh, well, the, 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 I saw there were so many similarities between them all, and when you realize how long they've all been going. Um, and and the, the fact is you could not keep anything secret and you could not help from being infiltrated, which tells you that they're all one and the same thing. They're all factions of opposition which are necessary to create the changes. Uh, that's really what their job is. Um, as I say, you can't specifically, yeah, specifically get into it, how it's playing out right now in your mind. Yeah. Let's start maybe with World War II mm-hmm. and work our way through. In World War II, like Carl Quigley said, Professor Carl Quigley, he said that, w- that wars are primarily designed to create social change within all warring parties because governments take over all areas of, of uh, industry, agriculture, and they increase their bureaucracy on a massive level. And that's quite con- correct. That's what World War II was for. Winston Churchill's own personal secretary during the war years has now released a book, and it's called Fringes of power and in there he has the private uh, conversations with Churchill and his own peer group his own aristocracy and he said uh, Churchill said this is the best thing that ever happened because we'll get a united Europe out of this so it wouldn't have mattered if Hitler won or Churchill won uh, because they were both after the same goal a united Europe and that's how this game is played and at that point they were there to of course uh, uh Emboldened communism, correct, and in Russia. Yes, and I've got the books from the from the meetings of the, the members' meetings of the, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is the, the main British branch, from the 1930s. And the 1938 one uh, held at Melbourne, Australia. Um, they said right in there, we must save the Soviet Union at all costs in the upcoming war with, Gener- with Germany. So this was a, a must-be type thing. Uh, they had to save the Soviet system. They had a, a bigger job for the Soviet Union after the war played out. As we saw, uh, creating this enemy against the United States. Now, we've talked about this on this show before, but would you agree with that, that the enemy, of, of course, uh, the Soviet Union was, was an enemy that they created mm-hmm. uh, in order to uh, move this agenda along? Yes, as I say, it's the fastest way to amalgamate dozens and dozens and dozens of small countries and cultures and languages with different government systems, customs, etc., into a common one system for merger. It's the fastest way to do it. You yeah. know, you said something, before, and we'll get back to this and bring, bring, bring us up to date, but you said something that was really interesting. Uh, you said to, to defeat this, this global takeover now, 
uh, perhaps uh, is not going to happen through a unification of the people. Mm-hmm. But it could be just something so unexpected uh, that the planners of this hadn't expected, and that's done through uh, basically uh, your your lifelong goal of trying to out these people, trying to do something they didn't expect, and sometimes that can have an effect. Correct? There's no doubt you can have an effect. In fact, uh, sometimes you'll say something and the odd comment. Uh, even on a radio show and it's picked up by so many shows across the globe and and that comment starts people thinking off in a different direction so things snowball and and it's not a matter of being long-winded or bringing the fantastic or super fantastic into it it's sticking to the basic facts and and saying it simply and that's how people really get the message you keep it simple yeah, and uh, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, I want to go to a question here that uh, somebody asked you once, and you provided a great answer for it. And it's it's, uh, it's a question I'd like to ask you again, uh, and I'll paraphrase this from the person who asked you. said, do you have any advice for me in approaching my Christian friends and relatives, some who have a basic understanding of the New World Order, but still think God is ultimately in control and Jesus will return to save us all from this and they will be raptured before it gets too bad. Generally, I tell people that the chances of a person waking up are are probably one in 5,000. And so the chances of two people in the same family waking up are very remote. And I tell them, try, use all your energy on people who are trying to wake up, who have taken the first step or asking questions. Uh, And this is the real meaning. See, this is an ancient system. And that's the real meaning in the New Testament where it says, let the dead bury their dead. What, what, what it was meant by, in most generations, people are never really alive. They're never conscious, really, of what's running their system. And so you can't expend all your energy in trying to save those that you naturally love. First, it's better to look for someone who's trying to get up from the ground, from being dead, and, and then you can fill them in with the information that you, you know. That's the best. And I, I tell them, around your relatives and friends, don't cause dissension. Try and live inside your head as best you can with the knowledge you have and keep it there. Don't cause conflict. It doesn't do any good. Yeah, and you're correct, because this kind of information, for example, when you come forward with this, is uh, shocking to many people. And it's, it's hard to accept. You can't uh, expect the person to accept it overnight if they're blind to what's happening uh, before them. Now, you're basing your stuff on a historical perspective. You've been talking about this for years and years and years and years. Uh, what position are we in right now as far as a, as a population understanding what's really happening to us? Or are mo- is most of our population still in the dark? Most are still in the dark. They, they truly believe. You see, Brzezinski, um, in one of his books, Between Two Ages, talked about the upcoming system, which is here now and he said the public are being trained into a certain uh, way of of looking at at the world by the media and he said in fact they've given over their ability to reason for themselves to the media They, 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 they believe that the media is there to inform them of everything they should know and so they've, they've stopped reasoning or thinking for themselves. So for the average person, it's impossible that that media and those familiar faces you see every night on television could be possibly lying to you. Uh, if it's on TV, it must be true. And if you're telling them something that's not on television, well, you must be crazy. And he talked about this system of psychological techniques in his own book. They knew they were, cre- they were creating a public that would not think or reason for themselves. 
In other words, they're being well managed. Most people now are socialized in a socialized system uh, that Lenin talked about. They're now well managed and they, most of them accept that, that they're being managed by some superior types of intellects and it's all, all correct. Let's talk about this, uh, this massive mind control and the, these people who understand this so well. I mean, we, they've been working at taking over our media for a long time. They re just recently reached a point where they felt they could get away with, uh, let's just say, murder uh, mm -hmm. at, the, at the World Trade Center, which they have. Mm -hmm. That shows you how deeply uh, uh, affected this uh, country is by this propaganda. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it in real terms. How do they do? How have they turned? Mm -hmm. uh, people like us, I mean, into automatons, into people who think they're free, mm -hmm. when in fact we are probably less free than uh, people that live, or the same as people living in communist Russia, when we were talking about them mm -hmm. as being so evil. How yeah, have yeah. done it? Yeah, well, and the Soviet system was a perfect test bed. That's what it also was, was a big laboratory that was going to be used on, with techniques that we use on the rest of the world. And if you go back to, to Lord Bertrand Russell, in his book called uh, The Impact of Science on Society, and remember, he, he was a big player for the Tavistock Institute, which is a department really of psychological warfare, and he also uh, was a high member of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. He said that the public are being trained into a system where, where they are being well managed, and, and they're, they're, we shall present them with experts for every topic on radio and television, etc., and, and until they can't, they'll get to a stage where a woman wouldn't know how to change the diapers on a child, her own child, without being shown, and that's already happened. Uh, so, so the, the creation of a world with experts for everything, expert opinions, and of course, if you're not a supposed qualified expert on something, then no, no one is going to listen to you. Yeah, and is that a bunch of garbage? I'll tell you what. You know, I, I was a journalist for a long time, and I've said this, and I have no qualms about saying it now. Over. 30 years have been saying the same thing. You know, I learn most of everything that I, I hold dear from people that are just normal people. Yes. Uh, experts mm -hmm. bore the hell out of me mm -hmm. most of the time. I mean, some of them say some good things, but they just don't mm -hmm. reflect what's really going on. Mm -hmm. People need to think on their own. I mean, it doesn't take an expert to tell you what happened at the World Trade Center. That's right. That is, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, just look at it, folks. They killed 3,000 people. <laughs> yeah, and they wrote about it before it happened. They, they said, Brzezinski said it, that the new... The, the, the project for a new American century that is a little private elite club with, with Cheney and Wolfowitz and Pearl and all the rest of them uh, they printed that two editions in, in the 90s that they wanted to take over Afghanistan first then Iraq then Iran then Syria and then Brzezinski wrote about it a member of the same group in his book The Grand Chessboard the same, same uh, agenda Afghanistan Iraq Iran Syria and then he, he said we'll need something to happen on America on the same scale as a Pearl Harbor attack to motivate the people, the public opinion behind us. And lo and behold, they get the very thing they need. Uh, this is impossible. How, 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 it's like basing everything on winning the lotto. I know, but ever yeah, and they still are, and they're getting away with it because they get the media controlled, and all these people get up and they just follow along the premise that mm -hmm. uh, the terrorists brought down the World Trade Center. That's, That's what right. they started every news broadcast. So I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's just uh, amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we just don't have that kind of luck. All that planning, hinging on one event, that's all. It's such a long shot. It's like getting hit with a meteorite, you know, right. and, and it happens. 
Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, you know, one thing uh, interests me today, we've got a minute before the break, maybe give me a quick answer on this. I've been dealing with it uh, the, uh, most of the morning. Uh, you know, Iran's been put up to this uh, nuclear battle. Now the uh, leader of Iran came up and said he wants to work out a deal now with Bush or something. How are they playing that? I didn't expect mm-hmm. that to happen uh but i know they still want to they still want to have a nuclear war there mm-hmm. now the iranian uh, leaders now is uh, throwing an olive branch out i guess uh, how do you did you hear about that and if so yeah well, well how this, does it play how does that what do you think they're doing now well i'm sure the guy who's the leader there has, has been one of their boys from the beginning uh every time he opened his mouth he said everything that bush wanted him to say uh the, the iranian people i'm sure were quaking each time his mouth opened because he wasn't speaking for them and this is a place to, to, to eventually amalgamate them into the system is to, is to get everybody up to a fever pitch of tension and then come out with the solution and they all breathe a sigh of relief and have lost everything <laughs> yeah so you think he's now throwing this olive branch out which is fake and it's all pre-planned it's pre-planned right. you would never get a leader of a country trying to commit suicide the way this guy has right good yeah. point mm-hmm. okay we'll be back in three minutes with Alan Watt on the investigative journal And this interview is too good. We're going to keep Alan over for another hour and take questions and uh, just delve into some things regarding this propaganda machine uh, that's controlling our minds in this country, controlling the New World Order's movement to uh, basically uh, uh, unify the Americas, uh, take freedom away from America as uh, we've known it. Uh, you know, what's interesting is on this show, I try not to give people false illusions in a sense of how we can defeat these guys. I've always felt in my heart that uh, they have all the power. They have all the control at this point. They've always, they have all the things lined up over, like you said, hundreds of years of planning. And we just drop into this world, uh, you know, just for a few short years. How can we expect to uh, overcome that? Many people jump over to the other side. But I think, you know, what you said in all the writings you I've read about you, one of the things that's always stuck with me is this real thing that you say that you can disrupt them with the most uh with, with something they didn't consider, they never thought of. They think they're the ultimate planners, but something so weird, so strange, you can't even put your finger on it, can't delay it, can maybe even change it. And uh with that, uh, I want to follow up on that. What uh what do you mean by that? I mean I th- I th- I think of it something like uh, if I could just say something for a minute. For example, the the other day I wrote an article and I was kind of uh, joking, but I was really kind of messing with them. And I was playing this Italian card game called Scopa, and uh, it's a game that's played over there. And I was making a fake game saying I had three dummy hands. If I win this game, they don't win and take over America. If they do, uh, uh, then we're lost. Well, anyway, in my article, I actually did play the game and I won. Uh, but you know what? In my heart, I felt better. Whether that has any effect or not, but is it, is it what you're talking about? Something so unrealistic, something they didn't plan about. What do you mean by that? Uh, they really don't expect people. Uh, this is which you were so controlled and conditioned. We are domesticated. That's the key. They talk about us as though we're animals, and to them, we have been thoroughly domesticated. And the symptom of domestication is when uh, you ignore things around you and and your self-preservation facilities. They don't work. Their faculties don't work anymore. That's total, total domestication, and that's success to them when they thoroughly domesticate us and we don't see the signals around us, the danger signals. 
when th- there are always some people in every generation who squeak through and are aware and can put it across very simply when they can get a voice anywhere and those the words that they say never never fade away they stick in people's minds and they start to to, to almost reprogram them again into thinking and surviving uh, for themselves that's their prim- primary en- enemy right now um, it's free thought and, and, and the will to put out the free thought uh, that, that ignites something within the individual because groups and movements are generally controlled by them or, or started off by them and if not started off then they're infiltrated and taken over so quickly by them and so it's the individuals who will end up uh, bringing this down not not the groups exactly good point I want to get into that a little bit more we're going to take a break uh, be back in a short break here by the way uh, two minutes back in the investigative journal with Alan Watts in, even to a local school board or a local council, 
or anything which gives power over you that's the key to it you're giving your, them, them the right to make laws over you you better find out every agency they belong to every organization they've sworn allegiance to and and these strange religions loosely called masonry under all their different names that they belong to both male and female you find out what they are and what they've sworn oaths to and then you'll start unlocking this whole box here yeah good point i mean i uh, what about looking into the knights of malta finding out that many of our leaders are involved in that group and what that group is all about. Mm-hmm. What about finding out why priests in the Vatican were uh, involved in masonry mm-hmm. and why one pope, uh, John Paul I, wanted to, to get rid of them and he was killed? I mean, these are the questions we must ask. I, I see no problem in asking all of them. It's your right. It's your right to do so because you are being asked to give up all your rights once this person is voted in when they make laws over you. Right, but immediately when you start asking tough questions, they they attack you on levels like, oh, you're uh, anti, you're you're anti-Jewish, you're anti-Catholic. You can't ask those questions. They immediately. And what it shows, uh, listeners, is this: they don't want people to think on their own anymore. They want someone to control the group that's supposedly liberal, that's supposedly get at the truth, and only ask the politically correct questions. Correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. That is right. And you, 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 when you really look at Mason. With a, see, Babylon was called Mystery Babylon because it had a thousand faces. A thousand faces that often seemed on a low level to be in conflict with each other. Interesting. Well, let's take a break, get back into that mystery of Babylon uh, with my guest, Alan Watt, on the Investigative Journal. Babylon and also Freemasonry. Uh, tell us, uh, just pick up where you left off. Yeah, that was part of the whole confusion of the mystery of Babylon. Uh, a traveler to Babylon would say, well, it's those priests over there. And they said, no, it's the guys over on the other side that's doing it. And in reality, on a low level, they kept the world in confusion by having all opposing sects on bottom levels, whereas the top guys, the higher priesthoods, controlled all of the, the lower sects. And they were all one at the top, you see. Well, let's take that premise and let's just say you're just an average American trying to figure out who these guys are. Where is this new world order? Uh, you know, what's their address? Uh, Mm-hmm. What's their main headquarters? Who do you look to? Because they're always getting you to look everywhere. Uh, what's yeah. What's your research? Mm-hmm. What would you do? Uh, they'd find that the biggest uh, sect of Freemasonry, uh, for males anyway, in the United States, is the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, also called the Rite of Perfection. And uh, people think it's from Scotland, but it's not from Scotland at all. It, it was given its charter by the Grand Orient Lodge of France. Uh, another one is the Jewish sect, which is the Bene Brith. That's also a member of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. They were given their charter by the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. So, so people think they're actually Jews, but they're not. So once you join these sects, um, you, you join an international brotherhood of all nationalities and cultures and peoples. And you, and you may lead your own people uh, in other capacities, but you really belong to this higher sect that you've been grafted in. To. And that's what people should really understand. There's far more to this masonry than just some little fraternal business. They admit in their own writings they've been behind all major revolutions in the world. And they have a common goal as to where they're going. 
Now take us back to that famous name, Adam Weishaupt. Yeah, Weishaupt is an interesting man because... Um, he, now, he was only one member of uh, Illuminati. He didn't create it at all. Uh, it was If you look at the Oxford dictionaries, you'll you see the name Illuminati cropping up from about the 12th or 13th century onwards, down through history. He was one sect that sprung up in Germany uh, to help further the next step of the, 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 the revolutionary phase. And um, his logo... For the, for the Illuminati, his, his own order was called the Bienen Order of Germany. That's the Beehive Order. You'll see that same thing on, on, on the, the famous portrait of Washington, the beehives down below him. That's their perfect system where everything runs in harmony. In this country. Yeah. So, so uh, masonry appears to oppose each other at the bottom with the Catholic versus the Protestant, but it's the same capstone above them that knows what's going on. And that's the key to it. They must create chaos in order to bring out resolution. And, and that's their simple, simple technique, really, is to create the chaos and offer the solutions over and over. Um, about this argument, anytime you start talking about the Freemasons, you get a barrage of, and anytime I do anyway, when I uh, write articles about them, I get a barrage of emails from lower-level Masons who mm -hmm. tell me uh, that they know nothing about anything of this. Mm -hmm. uh, they are basically doing good. Uh, I've even recently been invited to be a Mason by one of them mm -hmm. uh, so that it, he can prove it to me. Yeah. I guess mm -hmm. somebody wants me to go to Georgia or something. Mm -hmm. like I have time to go. But anyway, that's what it, where, where that, it, the argument gets to. What, uh, mm -hmm. what, what do you say to that? Well, Albert Pike, Albert Pike in his own book, Morals and Dogma, where he admits it is a religion, even though they try to deny it. Uh, Albert Pike said that the lower Masons uh, are no different than the profane. They provide an, a cover, an outer cover, a portico, he called it, uh, between the public and the real uh, higher Masons above them. So they, they don't know the agenda. However... Uh, right, provide a cover for the top guys. Yes, they do, a fantastic cover. That's why they go under the guise of charity. It's very hard to attack uh, Mum's apple pie. When it's, when it's the same with the, you know, I, I sometimes look at the Jesuit, or guess I have, I look at the Jesuit war, the warrior priests mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church, and the uh, same thing goes on there. There's yeah. over 20,000 of them in the, in the world, but maybe only a small percentage, uh, 1 to 2 percent, know mm -hmm. really what's going on. The rest of them, most of them, provide a good cover. And that's, that's what they do. But the one thing about masonry I, I think everyone should know, and they make sure that everyone does know this about them. They'll keep their secrets to themselves, but they make sure that everybody down to a local level will know that if you join them, you'll get special favors granted to you that are not granted to the, the general public. That's the, that's the hook to get in. You'll get favored promotion at work. You'll get off with traffic tickets. You might even skip uh, a waiting line to get into hospital. Uh, a lot of freebies the public won't get. I got yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, what is the difference between the Creator God uh, and the God of Masons and other religions? Well, the Masons go by uh, on the lower level. Again, you, this is quite interesting how they do it, because they want people of all faiths to join on the lower level. They'll tell them to keep their their religion. However, once they go past the third degree, they're gradually brought into a form of atheism, and those who can handle that part of it, and they're tested along the way on a social level too, 
uh, and brought back into the lodges. They're tested all the time. Um, then they're brought into uh, the real religion behind it, and that's where Albert Pike was into the Luciferian angle, Lucifer standing for intellect to dominate the lesser, the right of, of those who have intellect to dominate to the lesser man. And Pike said that, said that in his own book, Morals and Dogma. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's a, still a statue of Albert Pike in Washington. Yes. For those of you out there who don't know that, so I'm sure there's a lot of Albert Pike followers in our government right now. Oh, absolutely, uh-huh. absolutely. And, and that's only the big. That's not the the, the end all at the 33rd degree. Uh, masonry is a 360 degree circle. Now, explain that to me. Well, they have everybody caught in their own little box, and they'll tell you, according to the lodge you join, they've got so many degrees. And uh, the key is that, that a third-generation Mason, in other words, if you're a first-generation Mason, you can't go beyond the 32nd degree. Okay. Uh, if you uh, get introduced to your wife, who's Eastern Star, because it's a eugenics program that goes along with masonry. They don't like to talk about that part of it. Um, then your offspring is, a, is a, the next generation mason. He can go further. And up to the 40th degree, your third generation can go all the way. That's the key to that. So you get to the third generation, you can go all the way to what degree now? The, the, the 300, 360. What happens up there? That's where you become God in a sense. You're, you're, that's what you're, you say. That's, yeah. that's what I was getting at in this question. They, mm-hmm. they consider themselves to be God. Yeah. Oh, they do. They write about it quite openly at the top. Now, would you put uh-huh. Clinton and Bush in that category? Where no. Level are they? Where are they at? Uh, I'd, I'd say they were probably around the 60s. Yeah. They're up in the 60th level. At least, at least Clinton is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he's he's working his way up to uh, yeah to that godlike creature. Huh? Yeah, Bush Senior, uh, when he got in, the first uh, photo op was taken when he wore uh, a football shirt on some team uh, for a PR photograph, and he had the number thirty three on his on his jersey. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how high he is, but oh, he I also he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's probably at least the the forties anyway, forties to fifties. Wow, how yeah. Clinton? Uh, what uh, yeah, he's moved his way up. Uh, can he go any higher? Uh, it's possible. Life? It's possible if we knew all of the story between his mother and his father. Uh, you see, this goes back to Benjamin Franklin. Uh, Benjamin Franklin gave the, the the doll, the little toy doll, to the world from France. And in masonry, in his time, they had. Um, prostitution circles attached to their lodges and uh, but these weren't ordinary prostitutes these were special breeders with the carriers of of, uh, lineages in them and if you worked towards the great work and put a lot of into it you were given the privilege of of, uh, perhaps producing an offspring by this high prostitute they called them dollies they were carriers a dolly is something you carry they carry the gene and the woman in the Hellfire Club that he was allowed to be selected with was called Madame Bouvier and there are two Bouviers left today the other one descendant was Jacqueline Kennedy these are the carrier of specific genes and that's the reward you get if you work really well towards the great work there's a definite eugenics program here of breeding in what they claim are higher quality genetic material into the families and so when the Grand Master introduces you uh, to your wife at a dinner party, then that's an order, it's, it's not a, a suggestion, if you're wise, as they say. Now, in, uh, 
in back in the late seventies, there was a list of uh, archbishops, bishops, cardinals uh, that were pinned uh, in Masonic lodges in Italy. Uh, code names, the whole works. How does that fit in? How did uh, why why would they even want to join? Uh, I, I think. Um uh, here's a, the odd thing. If you, if you understand re- religions and Latin and Greek and uh, and going to even the Sumerian and so on, you'll find that the system has always been here. And those who clue into the system are the ones with access to the old books and the tongues and languages. And so every priest who gets to the Vatican has access to stuff which has got to start on thinking uh, along certain lines that there's far more to the system than the been told and so they're already part way there when they understand that and and then of course uh, it'll be tested out and tried and then gradually brought into the mystery sects yeah yeah it, uh, very 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 interesting uh, before we go into this break one uh, did you ever during this whole process uh, I guess we only have a minute here I just want to get this uh, you, do you think right now how long are, I mean, do we have a chance of ever uh, turning these guys around, I mean, seriously, in the next year? Not just like that, unless you expose them for who they are, what they've joined, and the agendas of these organizations. Okay. We're going to be back in three minutes. Take a couple calls on the investigative journal. Back in three minutes. guest Alan Watt, you've given us a pretty good idea of how these ultra-high-level sects have uh, controlled the course of history and to uh, get to a predetermined goal of one world order and uh, of a new world order. Uh, and they're still in power now all over the world. Uh, I, do you believe that they're all, they control most every major religion and government and they're orchestrating this next, uh, this next huge war in the Middle East? There's no doubt on that. There's no doubt the uh, even H.G. Wells, when he wrote um, Shape of Things to Come, uh, laid out the world wars, with the final one being fought uh, beginning in Iraq. And uh, and, and then the, 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 the new world police force, or army, was to be based in Iraq. And it's interesting to see all the American bases going up there, and the Air Force bases, and so on. Uh, so, yeah. And out to a script. I mean, I talked uh-huh. to... I've had uh, retired generals on this show, other people, um, saying basically it's a program uh, like you go to theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've laid it out for you. Just figure it out. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, they're, they're so arrogant, mm-hmm. they think there's nobody that can stop them. Oh, they do, because this is the key to it. This, this is their system that we live in. That all, everything in this system belongs to them. They gave it to us. Mm-hmm. They gave us the computer as well to, to bring about a common world culture and for total observation of every individual. They wrote about it, back, and Brzezinski wrote about it back in the 60s. So uh, whatever they give us in society is to help them, not to help us. And, and we are dependent on their system. Uh, in fact, they've closed all the loopholes for being independent, to even growing your own food, uh, living on your own you still got to get money to pay taxes which means you must enter the workforce somehow to get the money to pay them this is their system uh, and they know it 
uh, although they want you to believe it's really your system and to go along with the fraud of voting them in. Uh, as I say, if you truly were to expose the people that you're voting in as to who they really are, uh, the whole game would be over. Right, so I think it's important to like uh, to at least uh, have as many people out there thinking on their own, uh, realizing how powerful these people are, how they can control uh, the system, even down to the Internet. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. created the Internet for a reason. I mm-hmm. mean, they just didn't uh, put it out there for dissidents uh, mm-hmm. to talk and to criticize them. Uh, they have a reason to want to do this. Uh, in your mind, what's the reason behind uh, the worldwide Internet? Well, Brzezinski said that it would be given to the public and the public would take it as an instant means of communication. However, he said that initially they'll put so much on there for the youngsters, for young people to get them into it and using them as, using it as an indispensable tool so that they'll be addicted to it. They and, are. And that gets them into the next step towards ultimately um, the brain chip. That's where it's true. They had a meeting at Loyola University, the World Science Meeting, funded by the U.S. Department of Commerce and uh, Newt Gingrich. Was this in uh, California? Uh, it was in, I think, in... There's a couple of them, but... Louisiana, it was. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Gingrich kicked off the meeting, gave the opening speech, and the scientist that brought over from Japan uh, said that the chip is ready to be inserted, has been well tried and tested. He said, when this is inserted, there'll be no such thing as individualism. We'll all be, all the people will be he- uh, hooked up to regionalized computers, which are already in place. And he, he said that you'll hear the whispers of other people's thoughts going through your head. He said it'll be the, uh, this will be the end of individualism as we know it. Um, and, and the picture that I got out of that was what they showed us on the Star Trek movies, the Borg. Uh, that's exactly what, what they're talking about here. Uh, that will be the end. They won't need the media anymore to control the public. And he said the only problem we have now is to convince the public to accept it. So they'll promote it as a positive thing through cartoons, kindergartens, schools, novels. They'll pay writers to put this into their novels and their movies. And now, sure enough, we're seeing movies coming out with, with this idea in it. So Yeah, it's amazing. This is, so the, the ID card is just one step towards it, you see. Yeah, we get back to this whole idea of propaganda, how they're uh, just basically uh, going using the media now, the last propaganda, as a wedge, uh, and using it as the last step before they get into this more sophisticated way of control. Yes, their thousand years of peace that they keep talking about is when they've, they've completed the mission of totally subduing their opposition, which is the general public. They won't need to give us media or entertainment or even allow us to even use the silly money. Money is only a tool to the big boys. Uh, we'll, we'll all work in service to the state, the world state. That's what they've said in their own writings. So uh, that's where they hope to go once this is done. Yeah. And what are you working on uh, lately? Um, I'm working on, I'm, I'm hoping to start the next book and do a whole series of them going into this whole mystique of uh, uh, higher level Freemasonry to show the public uh, just how deeply it's entrenched in all the things that you take for granted, including your police chiefs, um, down to your deputy, down to your local council or school board. Uh, I recently... Uh, I was unpacking a box and I looked at a newspaper from the 60s 
and is an obituary for a woman in Ontario, a small town, who was on every board in her county, and she belonged to over a dozen Freemasonic female organizations. Well, let's continue with that and then take a couple calls. If you want to call us in the last half hour, 800-313-9443. We'll be back in three minutes.
Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian for the CFR, went through the records and, and he, he realized that, uh, that the whole drumming up of the war fear before World War II in Britain was drummed up by the top newspaper owners in England, who were all members of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and they had meetings where they decided to terrorize the public and tell them they're going to get gassed uh, by Hitler on a nation, national scale. This led to the evacuation of all the children out of the big cities. I mean, they totally upset the country, and it was to terrorize the public so that after three or four years of daily terrorization, they would breathe a sigh of relief when they actually went to war. Yeah, let me let me tell you how this works. Let's just take a movement like 9/11. I think you have more. For example, I was in New York one time and watched this whole movement, and uh, you know it's just going nowhere. It's been spinning its wheels for four years. Let's just call it what it really is. I mean, there are many good people out there, but it's been controlled. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you what. I remember in a, I was sitting in a meeting with the family members of 9/11, and uh, Timothy Romer, one of the 9/11 commissioners, was speaking and just lying. I mean, lying. I mean, his, his speech was so. I'm not even going to get into it. But anyway, instead of just, uh, you know, afterwards, I went up to him along with a couple other people and just uh, tried to ask him some tough questions. You know, like, get at the truth, uh, Tim. And he ran out of there like a scared rabbit. That's what they hate. They don't want to be confronted. And when they find somebody that knows, they're not going to be bullied and not going to go along with the flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, uh, you can you know you know you're getting on a hot trail as a journalist, so to speak, and getting mm-hmm. closer to the truth. But that's what I recommend people doing. Bug people. I mean, mm-hmm. call everybody. I I'll tell you what. There's no holds barred here. You can get a hold of it if you think somebody's a you know top level member. Mm-hmm. Contact them. Let them know you know. Yeah. And I'm doing that right now with the top-level Jesuit. I'm not afraid to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting all these responses from the lower-level guys. But I just said, I want to ask you a question. Do you know anything about satanic worshiping in the Vatican? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, why not ask him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, boy, but I'll tell you what. You catch a lot of flack when you start doing that, and it's interesting. But anyway, let me get to some of my uh, callers that really want to talk to you. We have... Uh, number of people on the line, California, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Mona in California, you're on the Investigative Journal. Oh, hi, Greg. This is Mona, the, grand, the grandchild and child of three 32-degree Masons. Okay. And uh, I object to the war, and I object to our controlled media and the hate speech laws. Okay. But I see these problems as coming from the house of Rothschild, not from Freemasonry. In fact, because Freemasonry is actually the white Anglo-Saxon power structure, I see all of these attacks on Freemasonry as communist-inspired. My question to your guest is, you, you, uh, you criticize the Freemasons for elevating intellect to such a high level. And I wanted to point out that the reason the Masons did that is because they were protesting against the papacy that burned you at the stake if you didn't worship a god who tortured his own son to death to satisfy his need to punish sinners. Now, why would you not agree that intellect should be elevated above such superstition? Do, and another question is, do you believe that there's no evolution and do you not believe in a population explosion? Hmm. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Number one, your name is just a scrambled Ammon, so I know you're the daughter of masonry. And uh, uh, what's also interesting is you see that people are, are be given intellect. They're not being given intellect at all. The school system is not turning out intellectual people. They're, tur- they're turning out uh, uh, zombies at the moment, and that's run by masonry at the top. 
I agree, but I don't think it's run by masonry, although it is in a sense, because I think that masonry has been twisted by communism, which says that everyone should be equal. We shouldn't give uh, different education to gifted children that we give. Yeah. To well, if, if, you, if, you read, um, if you read Trotsky, his own book is called My Life. He tells you that he joined masonry and that all the top communists were free Freemasons. Yes, I, and I agree with you that, that the Jews did infiltrate masonry, which tried very hard to keep them out. Not, 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 not at all, not at all. Because masonry is a brother, an international brotherhood that takes everybody in. Hirohito of Japan, you'll find in Freemasonic books, was initiated into the Knights of the Garter by British royalty before World War II. I'm not saying they didn't make exceptions, but Freemasonry, Freemasonry is a Protestant organization. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it is, it is not. Okay, what, it, what is it then? Go ahead. It, 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 they give a branch to everybody. Even the Chinese have a branch of it. And, and uh, they all have the top head. They're all controlled by the capstone. That's what the capstone stands for. If you're on one side of the pyramid, you can't see the other three sides. So you're saying American Freemasonry, Protestant Freemasonry, there's a... There's a Catholic one, yeah. Catholic one, a Hindu, I mean, as we go uh -huh. along. Yeah. And you find these guys, yeah, if you trace it, you're, 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 um, you, you can find that uh, there are Freemasons uh, in all. John Dewey, all these boys were, were Freemasons. They gave you the educational system. Yeah. Mona? Yes. yes, but, well, first of all, there aren't three sides to a pyramid. There are four. No, it's actually, there's actually more. Yeah. And, um, I'm lost there. What do you guys mean? Well, he said that there were three sides to a pyramid. but a pyramid No, I said if you're standing on one side, you don't see that there are three. Oh, yeah, right. There's also another one below it, right. the base. Okay, now, what, what I'm saying is, uh. is that it, it's, it's, it was clear in my upbringing that the, that the Masons did not allow Catholics or Jews in because they didn't want to be... Uh, they did not want to be infiltrated with superstitious nonsense. They certainly did put intellect above everything else. Although they had a great affection for the ancient Egyptian traditions because, uh, as you may not know, ancient, ancient Egypt that built the first pyramid was built by Anglo-Saxons. And uh, Well, I think you've swallowed an awful lot of the nonsense that comes with this, really. You, 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 really, you really have, this is all later propaganda that was put out in the last hundred odd years. And, and so have the Jews and the, and the blacks and the um, Catholics. And the Polish people, too. Only been allowed in masonry in the last 50 years since the Second World War, when all of the racial barriers were torn down. That's not true. The Rothschilds were allowed into the British, the English one, uh, when, they, when they took over the Bank of England. Exactly. And that is where I think our problems began. As I think I said, I think our problems come from the House of Rothschild, not the rich white guys, who simply formed a, a group in uh, response to the king's oppression to say, hey, we are going to gather together as masons, stone masons, builders of uh, houses and walls, and we're going to decide for ourselves. It was the first union that was ever formed. Uh, the, 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 the ancient Egypt, ancient Egypt was a socialist-run system. I'm not talking about ancient Egypt. Just and, and, and the stone masons there were all paid by the top guy of the state. The state paid them their wages. I'm talking about Freemasonry, which started in England and, and as the first uh, union, standing up against the king, who was running a feudal system. 
and they said, we're going to decide for ourselves what our standards are, and we're going to be so good that you're going to have to pay us. And we don't this, have is, to. this is the propaganda you, you've read since then. They, they came in in the 1500s. They were, they were preaching the same stuff then into Rosicrucian. The Rosicrucian movement gave you the Blue Lodge. I don't know what the Blue Lodge is. I do know that Rosicrucians believe that if you go into a meditative state, you can communicate with spirits. And I don't see anything intrinsically evil about that. Well, that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You see, you're allowed to believe the propaganda that's given on a lower level. And, and what you're, you've told me so far is a lower level propaganda. Yes, and, and you have to prove that my propaganda is false. Well, let's, let's just start. If I could just break in here. Let me just ask both of you a question, okay? And I'm going to ask myself the question. Uh, Greg, do you want to stop the world, New World Order? Yes. I don't think I'd like to see a one-world government. I don't think I'd like to see a one-world religion, and I don't think I'd like to see my free will and free thought taken away. Now, let's go with my guest. Uh, well, Alan, do you feel? what do you feel about that question? Uh, that's correct, and that's why you can't have people who join organizations and swear oaths to keep secrets from everyone else and then put them into official dumb over the top of you. Now, Mona, I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you believe, uh, do you want to stop the New World Order? Do you believe in free will and free thought? Yes, but I do not think that precludes people from joining clubs and having secrets. Okay. Okay, well... Well, there's your problem. Because we could go on for a while. That's your problem right there, yeah. Okay. Mona, thank you so much. You can call anytime. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Joyce in Wisconsin, you're on the Investigative Journal. Yes, thank you for your program. Okay. Uh, while you were speaking to the lady that was just on, uh, I just wanted to add before I ask my question, my father was a member of the Blue Lodge of the Scottish Rite, and he read a book that a friend had given him before he died. I would say maybe it was about eight years before he died. And the author's last name was Streeter. I was young, and I wasn't paying too much attention, but I do remember a little bit about what was going on. And the book was entitled In High Places, and my father was never the same. He was a um, secretary-treasurer for a lodge in um, a suburb of the city I grew up in, and he never did support going to the meetings or anything about Freemasonry. He just gave it up. He never attended any more meetings. And I was so thankful for that friend, whoever he was, to straighten my father out. But I, um, my question is, in reading the Bible, I observed the warlike nature of the God of the Old Testament. And what is the difference between the almighty Yahweh, who just seemed to come on the scene when British Israelism came into this country, and Jehovah. Yeah. Alan? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the British Israelism movement was taken over, actually. It was, a, it was a crazy guy who started it initially who wanted to do dethrone the, the, the throne of England because he thought he was a closer tie to the ancient uh, aristocracy of Israel. But they took the idea in Britain and created the British Israel Association. Now, it has two names. The other name in this, for the same office, actually, is the, the, the um, World Federalist Society. They were set up to integrate the world, a united world. So it's one and the same thing, the British Israel movement. is part of the Cecil Rhodes Foundation for World Government. And it goes under different guises. But that's the two guises primarily. It pushes out there by using religion. Because religion is a fantastic tool for, for, for um, um, creating a new order of things. So, 
so that's correct, yeah. Okay, Yahweh is not the Almighty. No, Yahweh is, uh, there's 72 names contained within Yahweh, and each name uh, is an important aspect of the system. If you notice, Yahweh is nothing more than uh, uh, the human attributes of uh, an oriental despot, really. Uh, as, as someone who who might be happy one day and furious the next, uh, an unstable dad, you know. Well, that's how the old kings were. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, Joyce, thanks a lot. Let's move on. Um, Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe? Hi. Hi, you're on the Investigative Journal. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Watt why uh, he believes that... Uh, you, you believe David Icke is a Freemason, uh, right? I would say I know that he was on Hepzibah's show and he refused to answer her. Okay. Well, I, I, I do you believe he's disinfo? Is what I mean. Uh, what I do know is, is that the, the British Intelligence Service set up a branch of MI6 in the Cotswolds area of London. It's a special little place where they, they train people to go out into the world and create mysticism and confusion. In other words, create gurus for the world. Alistair Crowley was one of their first uh, men that they sent out to create the Order of Templi Orientis. And uh, they haven't stopped. Um, I do know that Ike is following the same route as Alistair Crowley because he, he comes out taking the real information, that's what you call intelligence, uh, that's been gathered about the bankers and all these guys behind the, the movers and shakers. But then he add, once he's got his followers, he adds in uh, the reptilian agenda, uh, UFOs and everything else, and the average reader will then discredit all the real authors that he mentions in his book and that's called counterintelligence. That's how you ridicule intelligence. And so uh, he's also going the same route in South America of being initiated under drugs into channeling. Uh, we're going to take a break, Joe. You can stand the line. Uh, we have one more segment. Uh, back in three minutes on the Investigative Journal. Joe from Pennsylvania, are you still with us? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask one Go more ahead. question. Uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't get to listen to the whole show, but I was wondering if uh, you, uh, Mr. Watt, uh, have ever uh, talked about the idea of a, a scientific uh, dictatorship? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Is, yes, that's... Can you uh, get into that a little? Yeah, the, the scientific, uh, that, that was first <clears throat> discussed uh, by H.G. Wells, who was see, an, an official propagandist for the British government uh, in, the war, in the shape of things to come. In fact, in that novel that he wrote with the Third World War beginning in Iraq, um, he said, uh, we shall create a, a, free, a freemasonry of scientists, a scientific elite. And then Lord Bertrand Russell talks about uh, uh, the same thing. And then on my website, you'll see, you can download Huxley's speech, uh, Professor Huxley, or Aldo Huxley, the grandson of uh, Professor Huxley. And he says in it, I can see no reason why a scientific elite should ever fail. He said that Rome failed because it could not produce enough bread and circuses for the people. But with today's technology, we can supply it. So, so they are creating a scientific elite of intellectuals to run the lesser peoples. Yeah. And Joe? 
just just one more comment. All right, we got about up, two minutes. Go ahead. Okay, since you brought up H.G. Wells, uh, he wrote. I think he wrote a book actually, uh, Blueprint for the New World Order. I believe it was. Am I correct? Yeah, he called it uh, the Open Conspiracy. Right. right Be- because right. they do publish what they're going to do and and and, the, and put them in the libraries. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That answered my question. Okay. Thanks, Joe. And we have about a minute or so, Alan. Is there anything you wanted to finish up with? Yeah. Well, that's, that shows you the pigeonholes that the people are in where you have Daughters of Masons. Uh, in my first book, they should read that because I photocopy right out of their own charter books from the Grand Lodge of England that tells you that the, free, the female sex are simply there for show and they're, getting, they're never given the real secrets. And I, I, I print it all up for them. They're being used, yeah. And uh, when's this new book coming out? Uh, that should be hopefully out in, say, a month, yeah. Give us a little preview. Uh, it will be a, a continuation into the deeper mysteries uh, behind the, the, all of the associations that run the world, including Zionism and all the other isms that, that are used today, yeah. Okay, I look forward to that. Give us the website uh, where people can uh, find your writings and more about you and some of your other interviews. Go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, called CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And uh, there's a lot on there you can download for free. Okay. And uh, one last thing. Uh, you said something important throughout the show. You said uh, you can, people can make a difference if they're wary, if they understand history, if they understand what's going on, and they don't allow uh, these disinformation groups, uh, mm-hmm. the infiltrators, to lead them astray. Uh, any advice? Uh, yeah, well, I'll always remember that, that uh, Albert yeah. Pike said we always supply the people with leaders, and that's what some of the Pied Pipers are. <laughs> okay, well, listen, Alan, we're all out of time. Thank you so much, and we'll get together again. It's a pleasure. Okay, that was Alan Watts. Uh, we're all out of time on the Investigative Journal. I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, good afternoon.